Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, which has its mission to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new and unique and meaningful. And hopefully you will find this all of the three. Through this program, we're able to and excited to be able to give connections to you through people and stories in and about Israel and give you a window to look through about things and aspects of life here in Israel that you wouldn't necessarily know about from other sources. We want this to be interactive, so we really would be welcome if you would be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. Also, feel free to send along any questions, comments on the program, this program and other programs, and at any time, visit genesis123.co. Also, finally, before we begin, uh, please feel free to share this program with anybody with whom you think will find it of interest. Today, I'm really excited to host somebody who's not only going to talk about a lot of uh, the history of Israel through publishing, but is in fact a part of the history of Israel, both from his business as well as his father's story, which I want to get into. Um, Elon Greenfield is CEO of Geffen Publishing. Geffen is the largest English publisher of English books, correct, Elon, um, here in Israel? Correct. We are, we're among the largest publishers in Israel of Jewish books that are not necessarily only religious, that deal with the history of Israel, Judaism, Zionism, etc. Right, and there's some great books. I'm looking at my, at my bookshelf, um, and I have several of your books just in front of me, um, which is amazing. Um, Ilan was born here in Israel. His parents uh, are Murray and Hana, and, and uh, they made Aliyah. I don't know their history when they came here. Um, and Ilan, like most Israeli men, did military service here as uh, a medic in the paratrooper uh, corps. Um, he, he studied uh, university at Fullerton College, where I'm sure it's an interesting topic um, to become a Zionist activist for an Israeli in an American university. We can come back to that. But certainly that adds dimension to the perspective of being an Israeli where we can't necessarily take for granted the day-to-day support that Israel has even then and, and, and all the more so now. Uh, after Elon came back and before uh, assuming uh, his position as CEO of Geffen, he became a certified tour guide. So it's not only that he publishes about, but I know the tour guide course here, you have to be really, really intimately knowledgeable about biblical history, modern history, and every nook and cranny of the land uh, of Israel. Geffen, is a, a, as we just said, is one of Israel's largest publishers, period, and, and the largest publisher of English books. There, we're going to speak about some of those books. Um, among the ones that I have that's not here in front of me is the letters of uh, Yonatan, Jonathan, and Netanyahu, the uh, brother of our former prime minister. And actually re- related to that, I have my copy, which was inscribed to me by the prime minister before he became prime minister in 1988. And uh, another, another book by Yoni Netanyahu, uh, about Yoni Netanyahu, called Yoni's Last Battle by his other brother, Ido. Netanyahu, 
uh, flags over the Warsaw Ghetto by Israel's former foreign minister, uh, Moshe, Moshe Ahrens, and se- uh, several books by Rabbi Shmuley Boteach, uh, one of which is sitting above me. And honestly, one of the ones that I remember connecting the dots as being a Gethin book earliest on is a book called uh, And Every Single One Was Someone, which is a tremendously unique book that was written up in the New York Times that just says the word Jew six million times. And it's about, well, it's about two, three inches thick. Yeah. Is that about right? And every single page, one after the other, after the other, showing the depth of how many Jews were lost and murdered in the Holocaust. Uh, It's very impressive. And, you know, we can go on and we will go on to talk about some of the other books. We're really just scratching the surface. Uh, Ilan is involved in communal activities. He lives uh, outside of Jerusalem in the, in the, um, in the mountains to the east of Jerusalem, uh, in, a, in a community called Kfar Adumim. Uh, we were just talking before beginning the program that he is also one of the founders of a, pre, um, a pre-army leadership academy called Ein Prat, uh, which, is, which is very important in terms of the dynamic of the state of Israel, that young men and women go and learn more about the, um, their, their, their reason why Israel is so important before they go into the army. And in 2017, which is also uh, important, Gethin spun off, if you will, um, another division called Apples and Honey Press, which is today a leading publisher of children's books um, that relate to Israel and, and Jewish topics. Um, Elon is a marathon runner, which I didn't know until I received his bio. And, that, and we're going to have to talk about that when we're able to start bringing Christian tourists back and participate in our Run for Zion program around the Jerusalem Marathon, which is the only Christian program uh, focused on the Jerusalem Marathon. He has four children, and so to, and, and to start off with five grandchildren. And Elon, it's really it's really a delight to have you because um, it's not over gratuitous to say you really are an incredible um, pillar of the state of Israel, as, at least as it relates to print. First of all, thank you very much. It's my pleasure being here. Uh, too many compliments uh, is too difficult for me. Uh, as my wife says, relax. It's not everything. Not everything is true. So relax. And take <laughs> uh, I'll say like this. I, I was fortunate to be born to two parents who have made their way to Israel. Uh, and maybe I'll start a bit off with that because we'll give a background Please. Of, of where why I stand where I do. Uh, my father is an American. He was born in 1926 in New York in Farakaway. And he was in the Merchant Marines in 1947. And he came back home for a weekend. And on Shabbat, he went to synagogue. And some guys were whispering around. And he asked what's happening. And they said, look, we're looking for volunteers to go on ships. And he said, well, I know how to sail ships, you know. And they said, good, what did you do? He told them, and they said, good, we need you. And he said, what are you doing? He said, look, we're taking these boats. We're sailing them from the United States to Europe. And from Europe, we're bringing Holocaust survivors back to Palestine. And he said, wow, that's amazing. And he said, look, I hate the sea. And they said, we don't care if you hate the sea. We need you because you know something about boats. He asked them how much they're going to pay. They said, there's no pay. He said, good. He asked them, how long are you going to take? They said, we don't know. You may go to jail. We don't know anything. He says, good, I'm in with you. And then he joined them. Everybody in the world basically has heard of the 
ship the Exodus, yeah. but there were 10 different vessels that had North American volunteers on them who helped sail the boats. Most of them were Jews. There were some non-Jews. On my father's That's boat, right. which was called Hatikva, one of the volunteers was a guy called Hugh McDonald. He was an Irish Catholic. And he decided that he's going to join because he thinks the Jews should be saved. They sailed the ship to Europe and they came to Palestine. When they came to the shores in Palestine, they were deported to Cyprus because the British then did not want any more Jews to come into Palestine. So he was in Palestine for, he was in Cyprus for a few months. And then afterwards, they got their certificates to come into Israel. So they came into Israel. And my father always told his parents, I'll be back for the next. New Year's, I'll be back for next Pesach. And as the years went by, they realized that if they want to see him, they have to come back. And they came here when he had two kids. Wow. My mother on the other side, uh, I'll just mention, my father is still living with us. He'll be 95 on September 11th. Thank God he's well and healthy. And we're having a big celebration. Uh, He was very active in various immigrations to Israel throughout the years. And the museum called Anu, the Museum of the Jewish People, is going to honor him for his 95th birthday. We're making a film about his life. So hopefully that will be a very event, a very beautiful event. Uh, My mother on the other side, she passed away seven years ago. And she was a Holocaust survivor. She came from Czechoslovakia, from a small town called Kolin, just outside of Prague, about an hour outside of Prague. She was, I would say, an assimilated Jew, like most of the European Jews in that period in that area. And when the Germans came in, she realized how Jewish she was. Uh, she was sent to Theresienstadt. Uh, from Theresienstadt, she was sent out to Auschwitz. Uh, she was very fortunate in Auschwitz. She worked in the kitchen, so she had more access to food. And from Auschwitz, towards the end of the war, when the Germans needed uh, labor, they took the healthy people to work in Germany, and she was sent to Hamburg to work in fixed roads. And from Hamburg, really at the end of the war, she was on the death march to Bergen-Belsen. Wow. When she got to Bergen-Belsen, she was then liberated by the British on April 15, 1945. Uh, she was basically a skeleton uh, with typhus. And a long story, she got out. She was adopted with someone in England. Uh, they wouldn't let her talk about her experience because they thought it was too horrible for people to listen. So she decided that's not a place for her. And then in 1952, she ended up making Aliyah to Israel. They met in Israel. They had three kids here. And they lived in Tel Aviv all of their lives. Uh, And that, I would say, that background brought me to where I stand with everything about Israel, I think. I think it also brought me to the publishing business Uh, where I think it's very important for us to help uh, bring out the information, teach and educate not only Jews, but the whole world uh, about what Israel stands for, about what Judaism stands for, about our right to be in this land, our right to be in this country. And with what's happening around the world today, I think the task is even more so important and more so relevant. And therefore, I believe that the job that we're doing uh, is of great importance. As you all know, publishing in this, these times is not the easiest publishing, not the easiest business. 
but I, we stick to it because we believe there's a great importance in teaching. And sometimes one person who reads one book uh, can make a huge difference. Well, so I want to, I want to, I want to come, I want to come to that um, because you have a whole philosophy in terms of publishing. It's not just a business, but I want to just jump back. I had the privilege of meeting your father several, maybe 10 years ago at an event at the Waldorf Astoria in Jerusalem. Um, So when the hotel was still pretty new, it's still pretty new as it is. And, uh, and, and I love hearing his story, which he was, you know, we're standing there just holding hors d'oeuvres and drinks and what we're and talking but also to say how incredibly charming he is the thing you didn't mention you talked about a movie for his 95th birthday but but remind us of the book that you published about him my father wrote a book called the jews secret fleet ah, uh, awesome. he he realized at some point i guess about 25 years ago that very few people knew of the operation of the American volunteers. They knew of the boats, they knew of the ship that brought the displaced persons, the Holocaust survivors into Palestine, but they didn't know the story of the volunteers. And he actually knew this when he met Ben-Gurion, our former prime minister. And Ben-Gurion asked him- Our first prime minister. Our first prime minister. He asked him, he asked him, how did you come to Israel, when? And he said, I came on Aliyah Bet. Now, there was the second Aliyah in the 1800s. So Ben-Gurion said, you're too young to be on that Aliyah. What are you talking about? He said, no, Aliyah Bet, not the second Aliyah. Bet in Hebrew is two. So right. it was a mix up between the second Aliyah and Aliyah Bet. And he told Ben-Gurion the story. And Ben-Gurion said, you know, I never knew about this. Meaning he knew really? about the boat. He did not know about the volunteers. The American That's volunteers. incredible. So That's incredible. decided that he's going to tell the story. And what he did, he started researching and compiling all the information about the 10 different ships that the North American volunteers were on. And he had a conference in Israel, and he brought in all the volunteers who were still alive. They all came to Israel. And in addition, they brought some of the survivors who were on the boats. Amazing. And when the book came out, he presented it to the then president, Chaim Herzog, uh, who, oddly enough, just a few months ago, his son, who is today the president, uh, wrote right. a beautiful letter recommending my father for some prize in Israel because of what he oh. did during the years of Aliyah. Very and nice. So, so my, my, my father wrote that book not to really to brag about what he did, but to show that we're all these North Americans who really had nothing to do with Zionism. They had nothing to do with Israel. They were Jews who were frustrated by what happened to in the world, by how the world reacted or didn't react to what was happening in Europe. Uh, they were frustrated. No one is willing to help. And they decided they're going to jump on the boat and they're going to help bring Jews into Palestine. Yeah. Again, most of the volunteers went back to the States. My father was one of those few who stayed in Israel and decided to make Israel his home. And thank God he made it a home for all these years. Right. So I didn't remember all of the details. I'm guessing that people can still get the book and, and any of the books that we're talking about through your website and, and, uh, and others. On our website, they're available on Amazon. 
No question about ah, it. Right, of course. So, but this is why I introduced you, and maybe, maybe you're, I not maybe you're immodest, uh, not not immodest, modest, and 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 humble, and don't want to be uh, made more than more of than you are. And you're, and certainly, if your wife says, you know, it's you're not everything, that's fine. But the truth of the matter is, this I I didn't know about your mother, and 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 I'm glad that you told us about both your parents because. That does make you, but also, as I said in the introduction, is it really makes you, it, it weaves you in as part of history here in Israel. You had that great experience, and there, and there are a, a couple of movies about people. I had written, we're going to talk about the books that I, of yours that I read and reviewed, um, not because I had any agenda, but because I liked the books. But there's another book, I think it's called Angels in the Sky. I don't believe it's one of yours, uh, about, about Israel's first Air Force which was all volunteer, except for right. um, our, our first pre- uh, president at the time, uh, right, president, right? So so everyone was volunteer. And these are amazing, amazing, amazing stories that people should understand that the, that yes, God promised that he was going to restore us to the land, but it's not without a whole lot of uh, work and chutzpah uh, that, that, that we were able to do this. And people like your father as young men at the time were really pivotal. I know I, I had a great uncle in in New York at the time, who wasn't who wasn't on any of the ships, but he was involved in in smuggling weapons and medicine to go to come over here to begin. So it's a tremendous history, and I I, right. I think the success of this conversation, one of the successes, is to share people enough that they get their appetites interested, and then they're going to come find the books and read more. Now. Um, but I also want to mention, I think one of the most important things that maybe should be conveyed from this uh, discussion is that every person can change the world. Yep. We sometimes think that what we do as individuals is unimportant, but it's not true. Uh, there are certain things that one can do, and you don't always know what they are, but if you do the right thing, and that's what you continue doing throughout life, in the end, you may have effect on tens, maybe hundreds, and maybe hundreds of thousands of people. Correct. And it starts from those volunteers in those years, as you said, the Air Force people, the Naval people. It starts from, it goes on to volunteers throughout history of bringing Soviet Jews out of this former Soviet Union, Correct. It continues to bringing the Jews from Ethiopia, which my father was very involved in for many, many years. It continues to the high-tech companies in Israel today yes. who have inventions and innovations that better the lives of billions of people around the globe, Great regardless point. of their religion, of their race, of their location. And I think that this is one trend, one thread that goes throughout the Jewish people from the beginning of times until today. You know, the Jews created the Shabbat. God gave us Shabbat. And if you look at the social situation of the whole world, that one day of rest is probably one of the most important laws that exists today, basically all over the world. Because every right. person needs that day of rest. So the Jews have it on Shabbat, the Muslims have it on Friday, and the Christians have it on Sunday. But your body and your soul need that one day off. They need to disconnect from the everyday and go do something for the soul, do something Correct. for the spirit, etc. 
So I think you have to tie this in, and that's really very important. And if you sometimes read one story of one of these people, it gives you the, the opportunity to say, wow, maybe I can do something. Maybe I can change the world with something that I can do, that I can innovate, that I can help someone. And as they say in Judaism, uh, if you save one soul, it's as if you've saved the world. And therefore, every person can save that one soul on a different level at a different time. I think I mentioned when we spoke last week that back in 1988, I started writing a book longhand before I had a computer about my own activities with Soviet Jewry. And the reason I started was from some recognition that I got at the time. But in 1988, there was still a Soviet Union and Jews were still prohibited from leaving the Soviet Union. And I felt if I could tell my story that I would inspire other people uh, to, to do so as well. So you're 100% right about, uh, about the need. Now, I, I want to talk about the history of, 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 the, of your company, but also you shared something with me last week that I don't want to forget to bring out. You talked about how some you have a, a, a good intuition as to what books ought to be published and, and, and how successful they'll be. With, I'm saying success with quotes in the air. But successful success is is, um, is relative. Success can be a commercial success, selling a lot of copies, and success can be a, a, a much smaller print, but making a, a no less of a significant impact. And I was really impressed when you said something. I don't remember exactly the language that you said, but it's not, it, but the, often the telling the stories are important, even more so than selling thousands and hundreds of thousands of books. Can you talk about that philosophy? And, and, and I think you just did, but where did that come from? Sure. I'll, I'll start by saying that there's no question about it. As a commercial publisher, we certainly want to sell as many books as we can. Right. This is not an invitation for everyone to send Elon Green, uh, Greenfield their manuscripts. <laughs> but, but it's also an invitation for every one of the listeners to go onto our website and buy a book, regardless which. There we go. So there's no question about it. We want to sell as many books as possible. What I mentioned to you the other day was that when I decide to publish a book, uh, the amount, the quantity of books that I think will sell is not always the top criteria. Uh, We first look at a book and we say, is this book worthy of publishing? Meaning, does it convey a certain message that really should be out there? Is it a Holocaust story that's important that people should know of? Is it a personal biography or autobiography of someone who really changed the world, you know, who really made a difference? And and we have many, many books like that that really make the difference. Uh, You know, you mentioned before the letters of Jonathan Netanyahu. Uh, I have heard of hundreds of people who have said that they decided to make Aliyah after they read that book. Now, wow. for me, to think that someone read a book and once he or she read that book, made a decision to get up and leave the country they're living in, their comfort, and come and join the Jewish people in Israel, to me, amazing. that's an amazing contribution of a book, regardless if it sold one copy or a thousand copies or 50,000 copies. Yep. I'll give you another example. We published a book of a, an originally a, a German guy his name was Hans Kahn. He passed away at 95 about five years ago. And he was in one of the camps. He ran away from the Germans. And he, he, he got to France and he hid in a brothel in Paris. And the prostitutes took great care of him. They put him up in the attic. 
They gave him food. And he said, you know, people always talk about these women who are terrible. And here, these women saved my life. Then he came back. He came back to, to, to Israel. He was one of the founders of the Israeli Navy. He went to Europe. He made a lot of money in the shipping business. And he wrote a book called Luck and Chutzpah. And at one point, after a few years where we sold the book, there was a conference and they asked us if we would give them a donation of a few hundred copies of that book. I asked him if he would do it. And he said, you know what? Do you think it's worthwhile? I said, look, Hans, I don't know. You give it away to them. They may not read the book, but maybe it's worth it. We gave 500 copies of the book for free. After five years, we got a letter from someone. And the person wrote something like this. He says, dear Mr. Kahan, I don't know where you are. I don't know how to reach you. I want to apologize. I received your book five years ago at this conference that I attended in Washington, D.C. I put it in my library and I never looked at it. About two weeks ago, I had nothing to do over the weekend. I figured I'll pick out a book. I took your book. I mm-hmm. read it. It changed my life. I want to thank you so much for the story that you told me. And this Hans Khan looked at me and he said, Elon, that's worth a million dollars. He said, that's all I wanted. And I think that shows that sometimes you touch one person and you change their lives. And we've had many different reactions. I can tell you that Jonathan Pollard uh, received many of our books uh, when he was in prison in the United States. Oh, I love that. I didn't know that. We send them almost every one of our books. Someone asked us to, and we send it gladly. Beautiful. And one of our authors, uh, Brigadier General Gal Hirsch, who we published a book of his called Defensive Shield about his military career, uh, which was an amazing career, met Jonathan Pollard, and he showed him the book, and he says, what do you mean? He said, this is one of the books that kept me sane when I was in prison. So, so again, wow. I think you look at these different things, what one book can do to other people, I think it's amazing. 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 Now, so, so when we select the book to publish, again, we never know. And, and I want to tell you, there are surprises. There are books we think will sell and don't sell. There are books we think don't, won't sell, but they're important. And suddenly they sell 10,000 copies. So we have, I would say, examples of every one and every different, I would say, combination. Uh, the book you mentioned in every single one was someone, uh, which is, in my mind, probably one of the most important books we've published. Uh, the whole concept was created by Phil Chernovsky. Phil Chernovsky was oh. a person who worked for the OU in Israel, the Orthodox Union in Israel for many years. But before that, when he was in the States, he was a teacher. And he taught some kids in a yeshiva, in a high school yeshiva, and he Try to teach them to, so they would comprehend the number six million of those who were murdered in the Holocaust. Right. He couldn't get the message across. So he asked them to write the word Jew as many times as they could. And they wrote it for a few hours and they put it like as a wallpaper as they were going for a ceremony of the Holocaust Remembrance Day. Right. When they took it off, they realized that they had only written it like 10,000 times. Wow. And then he came up with this concept. And he had this concept of this book for a few years, went around, no one knew what to do with it. I have a partner called Michael Fishberger, who got a hold of that book and said, I have to show it to Elon. Elon will know what to do with it. He came to me one day at the office and he said, Elon, look what I got from Phil Chernovsky. What do we do 
do with this? I looked at it and he said, what? Do with it. I said, Michael, I don't know, but this is an amazing book. We have to publish it. He says, how are we going to make money on it? I said, Michael, even if we lose $20,000, it's worth every penny. And Michael didn't believe me because I'm very, very frugal on spending money on books that I know will lose a lot of money. And <laughs> together, we put a whole thing, we designed it differently and we published the book. The printer didn't understand why I'm printing a book with one word in it. As you said, right. the thick book, every page has the word Jew 1,250 times on it. And he said, well, it's a waste of paper. I said, then look, you're a printer. You want the job? <laughs> Don't you want the job? I'm the publisher. So he printed 500 copies for me, and he told me, it's a waste. You're going to throw them out. I said, don't worry. And two weeks later, I came to him, and I said, I need 2,000 more books. Beautiful. What? I said, I need 2,000 more books. And thank God we've printed many of thousands of books since. This That's book, lovely. as you mentioned, had a review on the front page of the New York Times Sunday morning on January 26th. 2014. That's one day before the International Remembrance Day of the Holocaust, which is January 27th. So I, I want to tell you a short story about this. My birthday is January 26th. So on my birthday, a friend of mine from Philadelphia calls me up and said, Elon, did you see what you did? And I said, what did I do? I didn't know what he's talking about. He says, Elon, the front page of the New York Times Sunday morning has your book and an interview with you on the unbelievable. How much did you think? And I said, Gary, I sent one book. That's what I do with every book. The next day I went to the Jerusalem Post here for some meeting with the editor. And I took the book with me just in case. And Steve Lindy, the editor of the Jerusalem Post told me, why didn't you give us the book for it to review? And I said, Steve, you have the book already for two months, but you didn't think it's important enough. So he says, Elam, I want to review it now. I want to take pictures. They interviewed me. I came back to the office. It was January 27th. I got to the office. My father called me. He told me my mother passed away. Oh, God. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. So my father told me then, this book and this article is a gift that your mother gave you. as she's leaving this world. And it closed the circle of my mother being a Holocaust survivor. Yes. Who died on the 27th of January. And of this article being published on my birthday. And ever since it's been one of the most important books that we've published. And when I say how one book can influence and change someone's life, so many leaders around the world received copies of this book. Our former prime minister, Netanyahu, had it on his desk. Any guest who came to his place, he used to show him the book. Our ambassador to the United States, Ron Dermer, had it on his desk. And many, many other dignitaries. I personally gave it to your former uh, 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 vice president, Mike Pence, when he was in Jerusalem. And I really wanted to give a I gave it to Nikki Haley, Ambassador Nikki Haley when I was, met her in Las Vegas. And I really wanted to present a copy to Donald Trump, who was such a great friend of Israel. I didn't know how to get to him. And one day someone told me, you want to get to him? 
you have to meet this guy, uh, Schwartz, who's a real estate guy in New York. And I said, you know, it's funny, I'm meeting him in two weeks in New York. He said, how are you meeting him? I said, every few weeks I see that he buys like 20 or 30 copies of the book. And I said, wow. something's got to be strange with a guy who buys 20, 30 copies every two, three weeks. So I met this guy and I told him, listen, Mr. Schwartz, there's one thing I need you to help me. They told me that you can get the book to Mr. Donald Trump. How do we do this? He says, he got the book last week. I said, I don't believe you. <laughs> and then he asked me to autograph his copy of the book. And I said, look, I didn't write the book. Not even my concept. I just published it. He said, Elon, first autograph it, and then I'll tell you why. Okay. I autographed the book for him. And he told me, look, sometimes you give one copy to one person in the right place, and it may change what he does. And I'm telling right. you that Donald Trump saw the book, he was taken aback, and he couldn't stop looking at the book. And I think it made an effect on his life. He said, I don't know what wow. it did, but I can tell you that one book sometimes can make a history change. So I, I think, and I really believe in that, that the books that we publish, again, not everyone, and not everyone to the same extent, but many of them uh, convey that message that every one of us can do something very important to this world. Well, and I wanted to, I, I love also how you shared about the concept of the book. I, I don't know, I know I've met Phil Chernofsky. I don't know him well. Uh, and I remembered that that was his concept. But as an educator, sure, an educator needs students to understand things. And sometimes you have to visualize them and how fascinating to essentially wallpaper a whole classroom with only with 10,000 names is fewer than one page of what's on. Right. So that, no, that's extraordinary. And, and so it's like 1200. So it, it, that's amazing. And also tying in your mother's her, her life, because not only was she a survivor and died when she did, but also she survived and how many times the word Jew was printed in that book for her family, her relatives, your relatives who didn't survive. So it's, it's very personal. It's very intimate and having it, what I wanted to say, I'm a book hoarder before I started, before I was married and started having kids, I collected any book. I mean, everything. And one of the hardest things for me this year, we downsized, I got rid of hundreds of books painful it's like giving away painful and not all the books that i read like the guy who, who who you related about the one who received a free copy five years ago i still have books i haven't read but sometimes i'll i'll pick up a new book and for me holding a book turning the page smelling it feeling it in my hands it's even like yesterday i was reading a book about um we were talking about yoni netanyahu it's right here it's a book called secret soldier also i apologize not one of yours by mookie betzer who is Yoni Netanyahu's second in command. Right. And at one point, at one point, I'm I'm reading the book and I, I'm sitting there quietly. My family's around, everyone's doing their thing. And I started laughing out loud uncontrollably. But now I don't do electronic books. So I, it's not my thing. And I don't know that I wouldn't have, wouldn't have laughed if I had been doing this instead of actually turning the pages. But I love the feel of it. I feel like there's an intimate connection so that's my selfless plug for you and your publishing business. And, and that, that, I mean, sure, you make electronic copies as well. But for me, right. having books, I, I, I pray that at the time that my kids 
start need to start going through my stuff that they will cherish the books that I've downsized and saved. Um, I'd like to share, if I may, I want to share another story about a book to show you yeah. how, how important books are. Uh, a Holocaust survivor who had a, wrote a diary during the Holocaust, which was taken away from him. And then he wrote a diary from the day he got to Europe to the displaced person camp. And wow. I knew that he knew my father somehow. He also happens to be 95 years old. Uh, and his, his name is Mickey Goldman. And he brought me his book. He wants me to publish it in English. He published it in Hebrew. And he asked us to, to translate and publish in English. So I started reading the book. And suddenly I get to the point when he's going on the ship. It's taking him from Europe to Palestine. And he says, that as I'm going on the, on the rope ladder up on the boat, some guy gives me his hand, pulls me up and says, Shalom, with an American accent. And wow. I think to myself, how come there's an American here? These should be Israelis. <laughs> and I found out it was Maury Greenfield. Amazing. And that day on, we've become best friends. Amazing. So for me, it was, again, closing a circle. That, you know, my father always told me stories. But, you know, when your parents tell you stories, you say, ah, half of them are not true. And here, <laughs> every bit that he said was 100% true. Because Amazing. there's a real person who was a Holocaust survivor, who went on the boat, and my father gave him his hand and basically saved his life from his point of view. And the fact that they're friends now for 70 years is really an, an, an amazing phenomenon for me. Well, that's that's beautiful, and that's that again. I mean, fine, maybe that, that that's in his book, and your father has the book, and that's why. Again, I, I I thought it as a nice concept to introduce you. I really didn't know where this conversation was going to go, but you continue to underscore my point that you're really not just your personal family, but the business. What you're doing is so much a part of the state and the people uh, of Israel. Um, I wanted to mention we, we're just shy of uh, of Sukkot and Simchat Torah, which is when we complete the reading of the Torah that for, for, for non-Jews who don't know who are following. Uh, that's the, 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 the every year at the end of Sukkot, we have another holiday called Simchat Torah, the celebration of the Torah. And we begin, we conclude the reading of Deuteronomy and we begin right away again at that same moment reading reading Genesis. And, and, and that's the book. When, when Jews are spoken of as the people of the book, that's the book, right? But you, it, it's so interesting to speak with you whose life and career and family is, is so much enveloped in books. I'm curious, while we, you publish a lot of different books, kids' books and, and, and books about um, uh, more secular topics, and book, but, but with a Jewish theme or history and books that have to do with Bible and, and, and what have you. What, just give us a sense of what is Geffen on, a, on an average basis published that are biblical-oriented books, so, so relating to the book, so, so to speak. Well, we published quite a few sets of uh, various, I would say, interpretations of the Bible. Great. Uh, of the Torah, of the five books of Moses, and also of the rest of the Bible, but the five books of Moses. So we published one set called Unlocking the Torah by Rabbi Golden. Uh, he has one approach that he deals 
we've then uh, published uh, Rabbi Ari Kahan's five volumes. He's amazing. A very interesting uh, five-volume set of Rabbi Avi Weiss. Uh, and again, just to mention, the rabbis I've mentioned, each one of them is from a different denomination. One is more orthodox, one is left-wing political, one is right-wing political, one is modern orthodox. So we, we, do, we do not differentiate. We'll publish any book that we believe does good for Jews and for Israel and for humankind. Uh, we don't care what your political views are. We don't care where you stand politically, as long as you're not damaging the Jewish and the, and the Israeli people. So therefore, we would never publish a book on BDS of their supporters, uh, but we would certainly publish books of a variety of, uh, of ideas and concepts. And they can be, you know, Labor Party, they can be Likud, they can be different places. That's not what concerns us. Uh, we published a very important five-volume book a translation of Unculus into English. Uh, we published explain, that about... Explain, explain for non-Jews what is Unculus. Uh, in, in Judaism, there's a saying called Shnai Mikra Vechad Targum, meaning twice the Bible and once the translation. That means that every Jew should read every day the Bible itself, the Hebrew Bible, twice. Uh-huh. Then they should read the translation of it. And when they talk about the translation, they refer to Unculus. Unculus uh, lived in the first century, and he was the closest to the time of, of Jesus. And he spoke and read, wrote, the, 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 the language spoken was Aramaic. Right. So the Unculus translation is in Aramaic. And for many years, there was never a translation of this into English. For some reason, it was left out. Uh, Rashi, wow. which was one of the major commentators, had many, many books translated about his commentary, but no one translated Unculus in English. Uh, two rabbis, Rabbi Israel, Israel, uh, Israel Singer and Stanley Wagner, Israel, sorry, Rabbi Israel Drazen, uh, who lives in Boca Raton, and Stanley Wagner from Atlanta originally, uh, sorry, from Denver originally, who passed away a few years ago, approached me with a translation and asked me if I would publish it. And I saw it and I said, wow, this is my one-time opportunity to really make a dent on Jewish studies. And I consulted with many people and everybody told me, don't do it. You're going to go bankrupt. It's a huge project. It's two, $300,000 investment. Don't do it. You'll never finish it. And I said to them, you know, I came to you for advice, whether it's written well and it's an important book, <laughs> not whether I can publish it or not. I make my own decision whether I should publish or not. And I decided to publish the five-volume set. Thank God, it took us about eight years to publish it. It's now in its third or fourth edition already. It's continued Amazing. to sell all the time. And it, it's even been a moneymaker for us in the end. It's true, it was very tough in the beginning, went very slowly. No one believed we would finish the five volumes because wow. many times publishers start one volume and get stuck. And therefore, one of the things we did, we, we, if you can say we played a trick, we first published Shmot, the books of Exodus. So people would think we're already on the second book. And only then we went. <laughs> so when people got, Genesis, got Exodus, they asked, what about Exodus? Genesis? Sorry, uh, uh, when they got Exodus, they said, what about Genesis? We said, oh, Genesis will be out in three months. So they already felt like it's already almost a full, you know, a beginning of a set. 
And thank God we, we, we managed to publish the five volumes. And I think it's, it's a very, very important volume. We've got many compliments by both Jews and Christian about it. Uh, because it really brings certain interpretations that the later commentators did not bring. And every translation is commentary by definition. Because when you translate something or I translate Correct. something, different words. That means we're interpreting right. what we read in Hebrew and we're translating into Aramaic or whatever. So it, it, it became a very, I would say, a substantial uh, part of Jewish studies in these days. And it, it studied all over the world. Amazing. Well, then Christian friends listening, I tell you, that's I, I didn't know you published that. And I love how you explained that that he was a first century comet, a first century uh, Jew. And, and therefore, what he's writing about, what he's commenting on is most relevant. There are other books Josephus wrote during that time and and others. But but there are but to have such a uh, important rabbinic commentary written at the time when Jesus lived here is really quite extraordinary. So I'll, I'll leave people to check that out. Time, which I think brings other interpretations rather great. than interpreted it in the 1500 or 1600. It's great. It's amazing. I love that. Um, before we wrap up, uh, the, I, I wanted to mention, you know, I, I sadly, I don't have the time to read as much as I, as I like, but yes, there a couple, one hour earlier. Ah, I've been up since four o'clock today. I don't want to be up at that early. Uh, but any event, yes, I should. I should read at night and I should read in the morning. But I've read a couple of, uh, probably more than a couple, but I know a couple because I've, I've, they so impressed me that I, not because I had any agenda, but I wrote reviews. I'm, I'm because I write for all kinds of publications. I, someone, someone, I don't even know who this person is. I have a copy of her book somewhere around. I said, you're welcome to send it, but I make no promises that I'll read it, much less that I'll like it or have any comments on it, but, uh, but send it. Who knows? It's a book. To me, a book is, is in and of itself valuable. There are a couple of books that I've, uh, of yours that are particularly noteworthy, not that there are, are many of them. One is called Catch a Jew, which is, I understand now, part of a series. And, and um, wow, his name just went out of my Tuvia Tenenbaum. Tuvia Tenenbaum. So with, without even going into it, he's so, uh, the, the, the Hebrew Yiddish word is chutzpahdik. He's got such um, nerve, the, the, the things that he's written about, that it's really worth exposing. And, and people want to go look at Tuvia Tenenbaum's book, his writing style. Um, right. yeah. Very interesting. He writes, about, he writes about anti-Semitism, which exists around the world. Uh, he wrote one book about Germany. Yeah, called "I Sleep in Hitler's Room." He wrote one book about Israel called "Catch the Jew." Yeah, he wrote one book about the British uh, called "Taming of the Jew," and one book about Taming. the United States called "Lies They Tell." Right, and what he brings there is many interviews. Yeah, with people anywhere in that country, and he brings out how much anti-Semitism is still here and is yes. probably going to go away. Correct. And so he's he's engaging in the other book. It, it, what I read in the context of uh, of meeting Al Newman, who is the author, um, because of my work building Bridge of the Christians, his book called Good Heart, 
I, it's one of the few that, that you don't want to, that I've read that you just don't want to put down that you really, it's, it was so well-written and so engaging. And I think when I wrote, I should have read my review before, but I felt like it was sort of the handbook pun intended in terms of how one, it lives Jewish Christian relations. And there are many others, um, but so before we wrap up, those, those are, oh, and I have uh, Shmuel Boteach's book here, Kosher Jesus, and, and I don't even remember on my shelves in other parts of the house. I spoke about Netanyahu's book. But the, the thing I wanted to ask you, you know, we're talking, we're listening, people listening to us right now are mostly, mostly Christian. What's, if, if, of, of course, it's nice to sell books, but we're, we're having this conversation because I think telling the stories that you have the privilege of telling um, is is even more important. What's the one book that you would say of all of the books that Geffen has published that you would say a Christian who loves and is interested in Israel needs to read? Look, first of all, I'll say, as the saying goes, they're all my sons. So they're all my books. <laughs> it's very difficult to pick and choose. But I, I, yeah, well, I, Jacob had 12 sons and he gave he only gave one of them a special coat. Right. So I, I, I will mention two books that are forthcoming okay. that I think are very important. One of them is called Path of the Righteous. It's right. stories of heroism, humanity, and hope. It's a story. It's written by a guy called Ari Mittelman. Uh, it's going to come out in December 15th this year. It will be available on Amazon and our website and in different bookstores. Again, it's called Path of the Righteous. He tells the story of eight Christian figures of today's world who have done amazing things to strengthen the ties between Jews and Christians. And I think that at this time of what's happening around, certainly in the United States, but also around the world, I think it's a very, very important book. So I'll just repeat once again, Path of the Righteous, Stories of Heroism, Humanity and Hope by Ari Mittelman. The other book that's going to come out sometime beginning of next year is called Prophecy. This is a coffee table book that will have in it, it's a beautiful book with photographs and graphs of every single prophecy that has come true since the days of the Bible. And that's something that I really think that every Christian in the world should have at home. Uh, That's amazing. I would say in order to wrap this up, I would say like this. I think one of the most important things, the message that I want to convey to Christians around the world is in the end, we're all human beings. In the end, we all have one God. And while we have differences of worshiping and we believe in various different things, in the end, we do believe in God and we do believe in human people. And I think that it's very important that our two people, Christian and Jews, have respect for one another and yes. learn how to live side by side and together. We don't have to fight over who's better and who's right. I think that's totally unimportant. Our monotheism is the thing that holds us together. And the differences, we can discuss them. When the end time comes, we can discuss them. So far, while we're on earth, we should all get together. We should work to make this world a better place. We should all read better books. And we should really help change the world and make it a better place. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you summed up what I'm, what I do, 
with the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation to build bridges. And, and it's great to have engaging dialogue about the things about which we don't agree, but, I th- but, but that which we have in common is much, uh, much greater and much more significant. And so I'm really glad that you chose to wrap it up this way. Uh, Elon Greenfield, as the CEO of Geffen Publishing, I want to thank you for, for, for taking time. You know, I really, I, I thought I was speaking to someone interesting and, and, I, and I thought it would be a good line to say, involve history, Israel, you've really played that out and we could go on for another couple of days talking about all of it. So we'll have to, I, I hope the sign of a good podcast is leaving some of the listeners wanting to know more, to reach out. And I want to encourage people. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, it's my pleasure to be on this program whenever I can. And I will end by saying shalom from Jerusalem. And the first opportunity you have to come and visit in Jerusalem, please do. Please come. We welcome every one of you any day that you want to come. Thank awesome. you for, yeah. for your support. And, and thank you for saying that. And when people do come back, I think that's also a nice way. We'll, uh, we'll also make sure that they've got some good reading material to go home with. Um, if I want to. So, if you want to run in Jerusalem, drop uh, me a note. And I'll take you for a run in Jerusalem. No, no, no. Run for that's run for Zion. That's my program. We just Absolutely. we just had a little pandemic get in the way, but we're going to go back. We uh, you don't know this. We we started in 2019 with a, a minivan, and I was the driver. And wow. 2020, we were scheduled for two buses, a thousand percent increase. People were coming here. It, we are going to build the biggest tourist annual tourist uh, program in Jerusalem focused around the Jerusalem Marathon for runners and walkers. And, uh, and we will definitely... let me know and I'll join the runners. God willing. I look forward to that. So, um, so let me just wrap up on my end by thanking uh, the host, excuse me, the sponsors of our podcast. First of all, the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. Um, I, I've never been to Culpeper, Virginia. Uh, I, I don't think plants coming home on the on the plane with me, even if I were, would be such a great idea. But if you are in the area and you need something, please go in and say hi and thank you and and, and walk out with the plant or, or or figure out what they need. And if you don't need anything, go and just say thank you to them because they help make this uh, program possible. And also special thanks to the Coin family for their meeting meaningful sponsorship. Uh, as as all of the Genesis one two three programs, whether it's Run for Zion that we just talked about or others, um, everything is is funded by donors. So I want to ask you, please consider joining us uh, by making a donation to continue to build bridges as we do and and create more wonderful programs like this. And maybe next time we'll do about some specific books. And you can always be in touch with us at Genesis one two three dot co or our email, inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. And specifically, if you'd like to sponsor a, uh, an episode that's coming up in honor or memory of a loved one or, or, or a special occasion, um, please be in touch. But really, as I said at the outset, I really want this program to be a dialogue. And it's hard as a podcast to have interaction. So that's why I want people to write, give us your feedback, tell us what you like, what you don't like, what are your questions? And specifically, as we have uh, questions about traditional Judaism, what do you want to know? Because we're going to continue with our Ask the Rabbi uh, programs as well. And, and of course, uh, I should, should go without saying, if you're finding this of interest, please share it with other people who might as well. Um, and until next time, I hope you'll join us 
back uh, back here uh, next week and, and catch up on previous episodes. Um, I'm Jonathan Feldstein. It's really my privilege to send you blessings from the Judean mountains and wherever you are, stay safe and healthy and may God continue to bless you. Hallelujah.